podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, home of the Danny Button Fight Show. This is episode number 35, and we are talking last night's UFC Fight Night for the main event of Derek Lewis versus Alexi Alonyek. Uh, another fun show from uh, the UFC. They've done fair play. They've done a very good job uh, during this these last couple of months with no fans. It's been some exceptional cards, uh, and even the cards which haven't been exceptional have been very, very good. Uh, we're going to have a little chat about the main event and the co-main event of Bellator from Friday, and uh, any other bits of news which we may discuss. But uh, joining me as ever, former Cage Warriors champion, UK MMA legend, none other than Mr. Daniel Button. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm all good, Si. Um, yeah, I thought it was also a very good UFC. Um, I had total agreement, really. They're putting on some, some great cards considering the circumstances that they're doing it under. And um, yeah, last night didn't disappoint either. Really enjoyed it. Indeed. Um, again, you're on holiday still. One week to go. So uh, Yeah, we one week to go. We appreciate you, uh, your time. But uh, obviously next week is UFC 252, which is yes, going to be an absolute belter. And we're hoping... Well, we will. We'll pull out a, uh, a very special guest for next week. One way or the other, we'll get someone good. Um, yeah. But uh, before we go into the kind of Bellator and UFC, a couple of little story bits I wanted to get your opinion on. Uh, announced about an hour ago, the Zabit versus uh, Yair Rodriguez fight on August 29th, which I was really looking forward to. Uh, Zabit is off, yeah. apparently. Uh, Zabit has announced he's shutting down his training camp and going back to Russia. Um, yeah, I'm very oh, disappointed. Apparently, yeah. I think yeah, I think yeah, yeah, Rodriguez um, had an ankle injury, um, but it seems yeah. like Zabit is not interested in an alternative component, which you know, I right. I kind of get. Yeah, it's fair enough, I suppose. Um, that would that would be such a good fight as well. I hope they still do it. Yeah. I hope they run it by Magnid Sharapiroff. Is he certainly the Wolfo with Sabit? Um, but he's right. such an exciting fighter. Yaya Rodriguez is Yaya Rodriguez, so that yeah. would have just been a belt of a fight. Yeah, um, yeah. At this point, then, we'll do our predictions for UFC 252 later for the main card to finish off the show. Um, but actually, quite a quiet little week for the, on the news front. Nothing too, too um, you know, not as much news as what we would normally get, but I think that's probably because we're building up for the big one next week so they're not really announcing loads of cards and and this oh. and that and the other um one thing which did catch my eye yesterday was uh, conor mcgregor is engaged by the way congratulations to conor mcgregor and d devlin um yeah. but uh, on conor mcgregor is michael chandler said after his lightweight victory which we'll discuss in just a second uh, about all 243 on friday that he is now a free agent, his contract is up with Bellator, and he wants a Conor McGregor fight. 
What do you think yeah. about that? Um, I, I actually think it'd be quite an interesting match, to be honest. Um, yeah. You know, Chandler has got you know, really good wrestling credentials, um, in terms of, especially in terms of his, um, you know, his MMA. You know, he's, he scores those takedowns, but he's well handy with his hands as well. You know, uh, um, obviously from what we've seen on his recent Bellator performance as well. Um, you know, po- possibly just brushing past his peak now. Um, but I think a fight like Conor McGregor will bring the very best out of him. Well, it'll certainly, uh, you know, every, everyone wants the Conor McGregor fight, let's face it. Um, yeah. Look, my, my, my kind of worry is he's 34, is uh, Michael Chandler. Um, mm. Do I think that Conor McGregor, even arguably not maybe as good as he once was, I wonder whether he's still a step too far for Michael Chandler. Like, I, you know, don't get me wrong, I know Michael Chandler's beaten some huge names. He's beaten Eddie Alvarez, he's beaten Benson Henderson. Um, he's never, never been in the UFC, which is, you know, it's the, the top of the top. But he, he's a NCAA champion, Division One wrestling champion. He's a yeah. strike force, he's been in Bellator, he's had championship reigns. He's no mug, I'm not saying that. But I wonder at his age now and where Connor is, if Connor's focused, obviously. Mm. I do wonder whether he's perhaps got what it takes to, to beat Connor McGregor. But it's just, you know, I think it'd yeah. certainly be an interesting fight. Yeah, I think the thing that will go against Chandler is the fact that he is willing to trade as well as shoot. Um, and during those moments of trading, he could get, he could get caught by right. that razor, razor sharp reflexes of Connor McGregor. Um, you know, I was telling you off air that I've you know met Chandler, um, and to me, don't you don't see him as tall as his stats say. Um, it says he's five eight, but I think he's you know five eight maybe on slight tiptoes. Um, he's not a very big man. Um, I think Conor McGregor's standing sort of around about five nine. I, I'd put Chandler in really five six, stretch five seven at most. Yeah, I really would. Um, to me, Conor McGregor's by far the bigger guy out of the two, so that might seem good in terms of any kind of wrestling confrontation. Um, I think it'll, it'll be a lot of effort to, to get Connor down and keep him down. And I think, you know, he's going to have to go through some flat to, to get Connor down. Um, mm. and as we've seen, Connor McGregor's just so dangerous in the striking. Um, but it depends what Connor McGregor comes about because he's, he's not, not so frequent these days with his fights. He's not, so he's not going to be the, the sharpest necessarily. I know you can't really even judge his last performance, although he got a, you know, an emphatic, really fast win against someone really good. That's not cage time. And no. uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I do think one of the reasons why we haven't seen Conor McGregor during the last few couple of months is because the UFC, there's no benefit to them to have, or there's no benefit to ESPN for the mm. UFC to have Conor McGregor fight now because, yeah. well, I say that ESPN wants him to fight because they want the pay-per-view buys to cover the fact that they've already paid the UFC for pay-per-view money. The UFC wants the gate money, yeah. but they're not worried about pay-per-view. So, like, I just think that they're not in a rush to have him fight. They're waiting until they can have people in the audience to a certain level. You know, if we're getting to this time next year, then I'd expect him to fight. But I think there's a reason why there's not too much of a, um, a rush on the UFC's point to get him yeah, I mean, Dan has, Dan has already said that he's not interested in seeing Conor McGregor fight this year. So, you know, he, like he keeps saying, I've seen him numerous times, keep reiterating um, that 
you know, Conor McGregor's officially retired, so he's just not interested. But, um, you know, he also said, does he believe that Conor McGregor's retired in a permanent way? No, he doesn't believe that. And I don't think any of us believe that. We think it's uh, a case that he will be showing his face again, but just for these odd matches here and there that he feels will create enough interest. And I think, personally, I'd like to see that kind of matchup. Chandler is someone that I really respect. I really like his style. Um, and I think they match up well together to create a really emphatic, exciting-looking fight. Although Chandler's probably got the style to protect, well, say style, the credentials in the wrestling to potentially smother Conor McGregor. Do I think he will do that? No, I don't. I think he will, he will want to beat Conor with some fireworks as well, along with that wrestling. And I think it'd be a really good match, to be, to be honest. Um, I'd be interested in that match being put on, maybe for 2021. Yeah, it's certainly been interesting. Well, another couple of little news bits. Uh, a couple of fighters talking about moving down a weight or moving up a weight. Uh, Darren Till said he's ready to go to welterweight uh, once his middleweight run is over. Um, he seems to. He said he still wants to. Uh, he's got a few things he wants to do at middleweight yeah. first, but um, what he needs is to win uh, at the moment. Yeah, um, that's right. But ultimately, you know, no. And Frankie Edgar has moved to bantamweight. Um, oh wow! He's going to be fighting Nunes. Um, and I know a couple of Welshmen who would like the Frankie Edgar fight. I've got to say, uh, yeah. I think they spoke about it on on our show. Um, right. That they'd like that fight. So yeah. isn't it strange in MMA of recent? You know, with Jesse Aldo and and, and people like that. As they get older, they seem to be going down weight, the weight brackets. Um, and in boxing, they, they, they scale up, don't they? I know there's a lot more weight divisions in boxing, but in boxing, you generally get bigger and you blow up and you just fight heavier, heavier divisions each time in, in small increments, although they may be. Um, in MMA, they seem to just be getting lighter and lighter as they get older. You wouldn't think that that would be the, the normal means, the normal yeah, way. It's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, it keeps someone like Frankie Edgar in the mix. Um, yeah, you, I do worry that he's maybe hanging around a little bit too long. Let's say that he's still incapable. He's another fighter that I've really enjoyed watching over the years. Yeah, but um, you know, being such a nice guy and doing so much for the small sport like he has, I just hate to see him fight on too long. Um, it's something that I feel like BJ Penn did. Uh, there was absolutely no need for him to fight. The, the length that he didn't keep trying to come back. Um, going, yeah. going a couple of years ago, wasn't he? Yeah, going. that's it. Yeah. Um, I think it's it, it's sad to see more than anything else. Um, I think it's because you've seen it in boxing time and time again. You see boxers keep coming back and keep being successful when they do so as well. But I think MMA is a, a different thing. I think that the skill sets are so broad. There's so many ways to potentially lose. I think as you get older, there's so many potential ways to lose um, can show their head more often as you age. Um, I think it's just a little harder to stay into. Not so much for the light heavyweight and heavyweight. You can see people go into their 40s, but very rarely you'll see that. Um, and I think less and less as, as we progress. MMA is still evolving, see. Um, but I think in those lighter weight divisions, the skill set is just so high now. I think once you start reaching your late 30s, you really, really are up against it. You'll get the oddity. Um, you will get the... Um, you know, Lucky Rye Faber is an example. He's 40, 40, 41 years old, something like that now. But so obviously, he's, he's in incredible shape. Obviously, he lived a very, very clean life, got great genetics, um, and that can sort of explain away why he's able to stay in for length of time and stay relevant as long as he has. 
but um, yeah, I, I do worry about Frankie. It would be interesting to see how he gets on. Um, but if he if he starts taking losses down at that weight, I think it would be time for him to hang up his gloves. But let's not write him off yet, because uh, yeah. if anyone can keep on going, um, it'd be Frankie. Oh, yes. And uh, finally, Ray Borg has been released from his UFC uh, contract following his recent withdrawal from the fight. Um, obviously, former flyweight title uh, challenger been released from the promotion following his most recent fight withdrawal uh, as per MMA fighting um, who are very, very reliable. Uh, it comes just a week. He was forced to withdraw from his bout for the UFC Vegas 5, which was last weekend. Um, uh, yeah, shame. The entire card was a bit of a disaster with many fights you know, being falling. Yeah. And, uh, uh-huh. He was one of the fighters, though, unfortunately, who he's had a track record of failed weight cuts, missed walks to the octagon. Right. Uh, yeah. Of course, he was forced out of a fight against uh, Mirab Dishray, uh back in June following another health scare. That was involving his son. So kind of understandable, right. but I think from a UFC point of view, I think it's probably big. there's been so many of these occurrences that they. Yeah, I think once the fight becomes hard to deal with, um, yeah, you're, you're setting yourself up to be cut. Yeah, sad, but I, yeah, uh, I wish him well, and I think he's still got some. fire. Yeah, he's, mm. he said he'll retire if he ever misses weight again, um, but you know, didn't happen. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah. We'll see. Okay, so we had the, the Bellator card well on Friday. Um, we're just going to talk about the main event and the co-main event. So first up, we had uh, the co-main was, uh, what was it? It was Matt Mitrione versus, uh, was it Tim Johnson? I forgot. Johnson, Tim, yeah. Tim Johnson. Uh, didn't last too long. Three minutes, 14 of the first round. Uh, Timothy Johnson won by TKO strikes, and I get the impression that Bellator didn't want this the the fight to come out this way. Shall we say? Yeah, quite possibly. But you know, when there is that sort of weight bracket, as we know, anything can happen when they're that heavy. And there's two big, big dudes in there. But yeah, Mitrion didn't get get going, did it? It was kind of a weird. I, I think the way that he fell down, he kind of got clipped. And their legs kind of got momentarily entangled and it sort of got tripped back. I, d- I don't think there was any intention for him to to trip him back in that way. I think it just happened. And it's a little unfortunate circumstances. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, yeah. So my, Mike Goldberg and whoever was the assistant uh, commentator, they seem to be intimating that he fell because of a clash of heads. Um, and mm. that the referee should then, because it was clash of heads, he should have stood them up because it wasn't, um, you know, a strike which took him down, meaning that, you know, obviously Mitrion was on the floor um, and he had been mounted. So because it was a head flash, they shouldn't, you know, they should have, he basically said they should have stood them up. No, uh, I was wondering no, I about your kind of take on that. No, I, I, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, if there's a clash of heads and a cut opens up and you've got to get the, the cut checks, that would be a way of, you know, when the fight gets... To, you know, told to carry on, you're starting back on the feet. But, um, you know, just because you had a clash of the heads and one got knocked dizzy for it and go down, I mean, it was nothing intentional yeah. about it. Um, no, I don't think they should have been stood up. I think that was all fine the way I saw it go. It was, I, I just don't think it was intended that he was taken down or 
or knocked yeah. down intentionally. It it was it was weird that the leg position just got entangled and he, he fell back off balance. Um, you got to remember this is in the first number of seconds of the the bout, so maybe you know there's little nerves still in the muscles and he could correct himself and fell off balance. Um, but the power of Johnson once he you know, once uh, Mitchell was trying to escape, the, the power was just, you know, it's brutal, brutal power. Um, yeah, he couldn't, couldn't get out of it, could he? No, he couldn't get out of the situation uh, and was getting woefully banged up. Um, good stoppage. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, well done to Johnson. I mean, <laughs> you get put underneath against a big guy like that being fresh. It, it, you're setting yourself up for a potential early night and an early night is what happened for Mitrione. Indeed it did. Um, mm. Next up then was the main event. Michael Chandler in his last fight for Bellator, or the last fight of his contract at least, versus uh, Benson Hen- Henderson, who had been on a bit of a tear, hadn't uh, lost, I think it was six fights. Uh, certainly hadn't been stopped. So uh, what did you make of this one? Because I, again, I do not think they wanted the fighter who was leaving to be the one yeah. winning the fights, especially the way yeah. he did. Yeah, exactly. Um, I thought it had the potential to, to go the distance this fight with explosive moments, but um, it seems that Ben Henderson's getting a little long in the tooth also. Um, it wasn't the biggest of shots, it didn't appear to be, that led to the process of him being knocked out. And it was almost like a delayed knockout as well. He got hit with that cross hand, um, sort of went down on all fours, looking you know at least slightly coherent. Then there was a very minor little shot to the top of the head, and sort of like they therefore went unconscious. But I think mm. it was the first strike that landed. After I think it was a delayed response for the knockout. Um, it, was, it was a strange way to go down. Um, and you know, Ben Edson's initially showed to have a really good chin, but the guy you know is past his mid thirties now. And you've got to remember all those rounds that he would have done, and you know all those fights that he's been in, and he's really has been into some wars. So yeah, you just got to wonder whether maybe the chins going a little bit now but that's not taking nothing away from Chandler Chandler's got great wrestling he, he can really bang with those hands because he has that wrestling confidence to go forward um, and, and he connected and he got the job done he certainly did as we discussed uh, as you get older things become tougher uh, your body everything reacts differently everything works differently your chin gets weaker it doesn't matter how skilled yeah. you are it can mm-hmm. be problematic and yeah, you know, I, yeah. It, it, I mean, shown he's got a great chin over the years. But. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, you know, initially though, his strategy that appeared to be going in play was the right sort of thing. He was really aiming at the body of Chandler, trying to really attack his gas tank to take away his explosivity. Um, then I think Ben Henderson's natural size may have seen him good, but he just didn't get that far. So that's a fight game for you. Yeah. Interesting, I say, because I don't. As again, I don't think Bellator wants the fighter who's leaving mm. to be the fighter who's winning. You get what I mean? But, um, yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I wonder whether they may try and sign him up, especially you know, very clever of him to to win that fight and then call out Conor McGregor. So you're basically saying UFC, come get me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. First thing Bellator would do, I'd imagine, is offer him at least a you know one or two fight deal to mm. to kind of ward that off. For the time being, especially like, you know, as you've just beaten one of your your big, you know, your main guys, but I guess we'll see where that develops. Um, yeah. 
Okay, so moving on to the, the UFC cards, we had um, first and foremost, the first fight of the night on the main card was uh, really interesting and a very exciting finish. Uh, Benil Darush versus uh, Scott Holtzman uh, ended in the four minutes and 38 of the first round with a spinning backwards. Yeah. Yeah, well, kind of landed with the forearm, wasn't it? I think it was yeah. perhaps intended to be an elbow, but, you know, when you spin like that, it could be a choice of elbow, forearm or hand. Um, it has sort of like three ranges to it. Yeah, and he, and he threw it out there. If, if the guy pushes close, it could be landed on the elbow. If the guy's medium range, it can land on the forearm. And if the guy tries to retract back from those spinning back fists, they can potentially be quite a long, uh, a long fast attack. Um, and it can land with the back fist. But this one looked like it landed more on the forearm than anything else. Mm. Look, I really thought Darius would have been up against it in terms of his striking. Um, we know him as a good grappler, um, and, and he did. It looked like he was, you know, trying to push that grappling range uh, on Holtzman. Holtzman was so strong and so physical, and when Holtzman was striking at Darius, you know, there was full intentions there, you know, with with full power. But Darius is coming quite developed with his striking skill set now, although he doesn't look. You know, hugely formal in terms of his stance and the way he holds his hands. His overall attacking potential now has become quite diverse and huge and unpredictable. And he's getting successes with it. Um, yeah. He doesn't look the strongest guy in the world either, but he, he just seemed to have more pep about him with this match. Yeah, he just had some more explosivity. Um, he threw up a really nice knee as well. And I think the, the knockout really was all prepped up with the previous success uh, successive strikes that were landing in the earlier part of that round. Uh, I just think that spinning back forearm that landed was just a bit that tipped it over the edge and, and was enough to put Holtzman on his ass. But Darius really impressed me. He's got really good grappling. He's um, appearing to be having really hard to read striking. Um, yeah, he's he's got to be moving up the ranks now. Um, do we know what his rank is? I'm kind of curious on who he they might get matched up against now because he's had a bit of a run winning streak now. Yeah, one thing I just want to ask you, um, while I have a look at that, is um, with the spinning back fist, does that can that be problematic? From uh, do many guys get injuries because it feels like the amount of power that you put if you catch your forearm or your elbow in a certain way on someone's head, it could very easily break your arm. Do you see, like, many guys yeah, causing you, themselves damage through those kind of attacks? You've, you, you've got to, you know, you've got to practice it and you've got to learn to land it right. And like I say, you know, you can spin and do an elbow, which is becoming quite fashionable now because people are breaking off the fence from a, a potential engagement of wrestling and they're backing out and doing a spinning um, back elbow. Um and then, of course, you've got that other range where you can elongate the arm slightly, land on the forearm. That's where problems could happen, where mm. if you hit the side of the neck, you could hurt your own arm, hyperextend it potentially. Um, but also, when people do a spinning back fist, if you actually land with the back of the fist, um, you're not landing with the strongest part of the hand. So, again, if you hit them on top of the skull um, or catch someone's elbow as you spin around, if they put their elbow, forearm elbow up and you engage their elbow with the back of your fist, um, it, not, it might, might not do do so well so when you have your hand padded up although there is a bit of padding and obviously you have the glove on the, the back of your hand um, when uh, um, you get your hands wrapped predominantly they're wrapping up to support the wrist and the knuckles mm. um, you know, it's not a normal part of the hand to land with um, you'll, you'll hear people talking in terms of a hammer fist um, which is about hitting with the hard, you know, hardly any padding but it's with the bone the solid bone of the wrist but when you're hitting with the back of the hand that's 
really are landing with the thin, weakest part of the hand. Um, so there are, is potential to, to damage your hand there. But uh, it, it doesn't appear that we've seen those sort of injuries happen, though, with spinning back fists. Maybe because they don't land very often. Maybe if they start landing more frequent, it might show up some problem uh, problematic issues. But, yeah, initially, I think it's a really good strike. It's, it's got good range on it. it it's fast. Um, you know, it could be hard to read. I mean, yeah. look, look, look at success. We've seen huge success with Darish. I, I'm just so impressed with Darish. I, I, you know, perhaps... I've underrated him a little bit in the past. But every yeah. time I've seen him to underrate him and think, oh, you know, because he's, he's, he just doesn't look as physical as a lot of the other guys and doesn't look so formal with the way he holds his starts and strike in uh, format. But he, he gets the job done and, and you can't take that away from him. He's looking pretty convincing of late. Yeah, he's on a four or five win streak. Um, very comfortable. Uh, some big victories. Um so he's won one. Uh, so he beat uh, Hernandez via TKO in the first round. He beat yeah. Moises uh, by decision. Um, then he beat Doba by submission. Uh, then he beat Camacho. Uh, no, sorry. Then he lost to Camacho uh, via submission. Then he beat Closer via TKO. Uh, and then he beat Holtzman via. TKO, sorry, normally he didn't lose to Marshall at all, he won because uh, mm. he's on four or five wins. So, yeah, he's, um, he's, he's got submissions, he's got TKOs, he's got decisions, yeah. he's um, re- you know, really shown a, a wide range of skill sets. Uh, that lightweight division is insane. Look, you know, yeah. he's ranked number 14. So, just right. above him, you've got Cerrone, Gregor, Gisela Gillespie, Islam Machikeo. Uh, yeah. Kevin Lee, Al Al, Al-, Al- Quinter, Diego Ferreira, Paul Felder, Charles Oliveira, Dan Hooker, Conor McGregor, Tony Ferguson, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, and then Big Bad Khabib at the top. Yeah, yeah. It's an insane uh, division. I'd, I'd like to see what he can do against someone, um, you know, just brushing that top 10. Uh, that would be kind of maybe interesting. Kevin, Kevin Lee or a... Uh, yeah, maybe a Pereira, Paul Felder. Yeah, yeah, I think that that would be a good call. Uh, I think that'd be a good good match for him. Yeah, I quite fancy a Felder, and um, probably that could be quite good. Um, yeah. Next up, I apologise to these two ladies straight away for me butchering their names. Uh, yeah. Diana Kunitskaya versus Julia Stoyalarenko. I'm quite proud of that. I won't be able to pronounce them that uh. one. Oh, I'm, um, dre- yeah, I'm dreading this for the names, but so, uh, we, we're we'll trying to call them Yana and Julia uh, for the sake of Dan's pronunciation. <laughs> I'm going to try with this. I'll try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got to learn, mate. Got to learn. Uh, what did you <laughs> make of this overall and then take us into the first round as well, mate? Yeah, it was a, well, you know, I think you could kind of like really put all three rounds together and just do highlighting differences. Uh, with each of the rounds, but this was an absolute wrestle fest. Um, you know, Kuniskaya um, was demonstrating some some great cage control. Um, she was getting double under pummels, which normally limits you a little bit with your striking, but she was able to make space really cleverly with her knees. Whenever she was getting another pummel, she was punching and throwing elbows, and she really, um, you know, smothering the other girl. Uh, I was trying to say her name, uh, uh, Stolia Lenko. 
Um, she was really smothering her. She just looked physically stronger. You could see the muscles rippling in her shoulders. Um, she also, I think that on the stats, they were similar in height, but she, I don't know, she just looked bigger all around to me. She was quite thick set in the uh, upper thigh as well. Um, yeah, she just seemed to manhandle us, lose the pun using men, because obviously women, but yeah. she was manhandling a little bit uh, against the fence. But I really liked um, the strategy of uh, Stelovenko. She started to use the strong pinning position to clamber up her opponent to try and set up a, a guillotine choke. So really quite creative. And actually looked like she could get her opponent in a little bit of trouble with that. But again, you know, just the strength of um, Kuniskaya. I'm not saying that anywhere near yeah, how you said it. Bad. Yeah, Kuniskaya. Um, you know, she, she shrugged it off really well. Um, and, you know, going to the second round, clearly this was an intention. She was getting successes there. She went straight to it again. Um, started pressing the girl back. Um, and then uh, Solenko started looking to take it to the ground by actually jumping guard, which I actually think was a good call in that certain situation yeah. because she was getting so banged up and, and, and just losing the control of the rounds because something they're showing up now is a percentage of control, whether it's um, regards uh, the striking control, um, having the centre of the cage or pushing her up against the education and having control in that way or time on the mat control. And clearly she was losing a huge percentage of um, control time by having her back against the fence. So to try to open up some opportunities to win, she uh, jumped guard. And at the end of that second round, actually created an opportunity where a, a win was at the tip of her fingers she started noosing up an armbar and it looked quite dangerous um clearly got some good hips on her um mm. and once she tasted that she started to try to go to her back again um and try and create some some kind of submission attempts in that third round but um uh Kuniskaya was she was just so solid um, she was so aware of the potential dangers she really wasn't in any danger other than that armbar um everything thereafter I think she just did a great job of smothering her opponent. Um, and it, looked like, it looks like quite a difficult sort of style to, to fight against when someone's just engaging all the time, not even wanting the takedown. I mean, it only went to the ground because uh, Storenko was jumping guard. Other than that, it wasn't going to the ground. She was just happy to pin her against the fence, work her knees, her short elbows, her chopping shots when she had red position. And, and it was for, for Stolarenko to find a way out. And she, she, she couldn't, although she was trying by hence jumping garden and, and things like that, she just couldn't find an answer to, to get around the problem. Um, and other fighters are going to have to look at this and, and figure out what they're going to do to prevent her doing this to, to other opponents. Um, in hindsight to this, I think Stolarenko, what she should have been doing was when she had her head um, off center, so it wasn't being pinned by the forehead, um, was to then drive her forehead in to try to put that double unders under pressure mm. to either pummel herself or, or, or to create opportunities to turn off from the fence. Um, I just felt like she was allowing um, Kuniskaya uh, to uh, pin the head position just too often, too long. Yeah. Um, so quite often she was trying to punch with her head limp back behind her hips so you ain't going to generate any power there. And in fact, I think she was open to be taken down, but I don't think Kuniskaya wanted to take down. She was just happy to hold her and pin her. I think this was a strategy. I think it was a game plan and it was effective for all three rounds. Um, and absolutely, she, she, she should have got the win and she did get the win. And like I said, I'm kind of curious to see how her other opponents are going to address this issue if she's going to try to do that each fight now. Yeah, yeah. She's going to have to be... <clears throat> 
she's gonna have to be ready to adjust, isn't she? If her if her opponents make the mm. adjustments necessary to combat that, she needs to yeah. be ready to you know to adjust her own game. Uh, yeah. We talk about fight IQ all the time and and being able to adjust during the fight, not just rely on your preparation and your yeah and your training sure. camp. You need to be able to change as you're going along. Um, but ultimately, I thought she was very impressive. Um, yeah. You don't get many many fights as impressive as that without a finish, I've got to say. I thought she was really, really good. Um, yeah, yeah. She controlled so many elements of the, the, the bout as well. Um, you, know, you know, a little criticism really for um, Solomenko, uh, uh, am I saying this right? I'm terrible yeah. with his name. The one who was in the green. Yeah. Um, you know, she come out in the second round trying to do a spinning kick, mm-hmm. um, you know, and got herself dumped down on, on her ass very, very quickly. I mean, this is just the worst thing you can do because you're showing your back as you turn. Um, yeah. If someone's trying to, you know, wrestle screw you and, and not in terms of taking you down, the, the worst thing you can do is to do a spinning technique, which is such a long delivery time from the time you launch your foot. Um, really not a good strategy. Um you know, I think she would be, would have been much better to come out in that second round and try to get a successful jab working and, and use footwork and evasion. You know, just, just make it so she ain't been clinched up for a little while to get a little space to take a little breath of fresh air. Start building off a jab. Try and get a jab to be successful. Start trying to set up a cross punch thereafter. And then start, start trying to do angle off hooks, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe once the clinch ensues, maybe threaten with um, a mid-knee to... to, to stop the threat of that shoot and that entry but yeah she came up with a spinning kick and just, that was dreadful so that was the only thing that was disastrous but although she did really bad there like I say I was really impressed with her creativity to try to clamber up the actual opponent like a climbing frame to create an opportunity for a guillotine I really like that it's quite innovative um, quite impressed with that yeah yeah I couldn't say it better myself mate um, yeah Okay, so the final uh, score card for the fight was 30 26, 30 27, 30 27. Pretty yeah. uh, one sided. Um, yeah, absolutely. Next up, we had uh, well, uh, one, only one British uh, fighter on the show tonight, which was, uh, seems like we've uh, been treated to having numerous on the shows, uh, which was kind of, you know, interesting. Um, and yeah. Uh, was uh, Mackie Patolo versus uh, British fighter Darren Stewart, and boy oh boy did Darren Stewart do well! Yeah, yeah, he he did, fan- and he looks fantastic as well. I mean, just looking at those those thighs on him and those shoulders and arms. I mean, this guy looks monstrously athletic and strong. Really does. I mean. Just his presence will make you want to footwork and back off like Patillo was. Um, he, he really respected the potential power of uh, Darren Stewart, and so he should. But P- Patillo can strike well as well. I think he's a little looser, got slightly better footwork than Darren Stewart. Um, but for, I'll put the overall power in Dar- Darren Stewart's favour. I was really surprised that Darren Stewart chose to press close and clinch up. Mm. Um, it was around about the three-minute mark. I was kind of surprised about that. that he, I just think their striking combinations maybe just felt natural to clinch up to stop the combinations firing back. Um, but I was kind of surprised about that. I thought, hey, what's he going to do here? You know, um, he's surely not going to attempt to take down or anything. But they disengaged. So that's what made me think that that combination was just the fact that they both got close and it, it was just the right time to, to have a little clinch up to defuse the combination before breaking free again. Um, 
Patolo did have a little success as he began to feel that his footwork, he started to land on uh, Darren Stewart a little bit, um, you know, and made Darren Stewart realise, hey, you know, this guy can bang too. This guy's loose, he's got footwork, he's sharp, he could be really dangerous. But then Patolo, you know, did what I thought was would have been the best thing to do is try and put ben, ben, uh, Darren Stewart down onto his back, try and tire him out, work those big muscles, work hard. He shot in on the double. Darren Stewart did really, really well defending that. When he went to a single, he got the single and got the success of the takedown really way too easy. And I thought, oh, you know, Darren Stewart's going to have, have some issues here if he's going to get taken down so easy on a single like that. He really didn't fight his base very well at all. But as he went down for the single, maybe he dropped down wanting this submission. But as you do a single, quite often you put your head to the outside. And as he did so, he got his head noosed up. And we're still quite early in, you know, okay, a little past the halfway mark. Um, you know, heading to the latter part of that first round, but they're both pretty fresh individuals still. And like I said, I was talking about the strength. Um, all you have to do is, that, you know, have reasonable technique with that kind of strength and that kind of freshness behind you, having yeah. your neck caught up like that. Did you see how contorted the neck was? Because yeah. I was thinking, hey, he's going to get out of this. He's going to get round. But when I saw how What's deep he's... In? Oh, he, he, he was really contorted. I mean, it's got to be close to a break. Mm. Um, so well done for Darren Stewart. Really impressed me. Um, and um, I still think there's some certain skill sets he needs to improve on. You know, yeah, he, try got to caught, be... he got caught a couple of times. Uh, he yeah, yeah. With a spinning back fist. He got caught with a, uh, but, a counter uh, shot as well as they were separating. As long as he keeps going to school and keeps learning and evolving with that physicality he's got and, um, you know, the... Yeah, aggressive attitude to win. Um, this guy could go far, really could. Uh, I'd be excited to see this guy fight in the future. I think he's he's going to make make some noises in this division if he carries on the way he is. But he's yeah, got to he carry on developing keep first. Improving. Keep improving. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a big boy, isn't he? Uh, Absolutely is, yeah. Impressive though, nonetheless. Yeah. And next up we had Omari Ahmedov versus veteran uh, Chris Weidman. Uh, Chris Weidman uh, came in saying he wanted to make up for what he called a sloppy, sloppy performance in his uh, recent fights. Um, did he achieve that? Um, I don't think we've seen Weidman look his best for a good number of years now, to be honest. Um, did we see a better Weidman than, than recently? Yes, I think we do. I think there's, there's definitely still issues with his striking. He's not looking comfortable striking. Mm. Um, so he went back to some of his wrestling roots, which I think is the right thing to do. Um, I wasn't too sure whether it was the right thing to keep going on the single the way he did. Um, you know, he eventually got the successes he needed in that first round, but he had to work extremely hard to do so. So I definitely gave Weidman that first round. But like I say, he kept shooting on that single. And shooting on that single, you know, there's so many potential counters, and, and it's so easy to anti-wrestle a single with a lead leg strip. Um, so you saw him dive for that single, and you see... Um, Megdorf stripped back that leg um, and he had really only had the ankle to hold on to. It can lead to a takedown, don't get me wrong, but you've got to re-engage. So when you shoot in for a single and someone strips back and you've only got an ankle, you've got to, got to chase back in and you've got to hook in on the hips. It's a lot of explosivity. Um, Weidman, being that it was the first round, was able to eventually get uh, Amigdorf down um, and, made, and was able to take the round from him. But I think a huge deficit of his energy because going into the second round, we see Amekdov, uh start doing his own shoots and start pressing Weidman uh, with you know, his own wrestling capabilities. And Weidman, I think, was still feeling the effects of that first round. Um, and it looked like the tide was going to be turning. Um, 
So, you know, first round I gave to Weidman, the second round went to Abmegdov, yes. uh, and I think that was a great strategy change. Now, whether it's Abmegdov's natural intuition to, hey, you know, I could feel this guy was tiring on that first round, they're shooting myself, mm-hmm. or whether it is his cornerman doing it um, to suggest it to him. Nevertheless, this was a really good decision. Um, it, it was a great strategy, and I was really pleased to see him make that adaptation. But going into this third round, it was all about who wanted it most. And I think Weidman had it in his head that he knew he had to perform. I mean, I think if he lost this, you've got to wonder whether he's going to see Weidman ever fight again. And yeah, I think he was... UFC, I think he might have exactly, been. Yeah, exactly that. And um, I think that he just wanted it that little bit more um, and was able to eventually grind down Omegdov. So kind of what happened to Weidman in that first round, he burnt so much energy trying to win that round and indeed he did win the round um, he was then at deficit and then Abidov reversed it on him but again he mm. had to work so hard to get his successes um, and he was feeling a fatigue for that third round so it was a little bit tit for tat as the rounds were going through I really enjoyed it I thought it was a great little uh, 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 wrestled wrestle match um, very wrestle heavy I really liked the way Wyman did one of his takedowns as well he did hook in on a single um, high up on the knee and he kicked the leg away it goes to show that he was adapting his single leg entries but as the match went through in that third round he started getting successes um, shooting on the double high um, so what I mean is rather than shooting in doubles behind the knees where you, you can get broader and the knees go out he was catching him a little higher on the thigh and he started getting successes with that um, I thought that was a great adaptation to do in the third round because I thought shooting for the single like that was going to begin to foul more and more and more. And I think the percentage of the successes on that single was going to get him exhausted halfway through that third round and potentially you know, run himself through with exhaustion and, and get tired and lose the round. But he shot in on this double, high double, and, um, and started to put Akamidov down. Uh, and he grinded out that third round. And like I say, I, I put it down to the fact that he just wanted it that little bit more. He knew this potentially would have been his last fight that he would have in the UFC had he not pushed as hard as he did in that third round. So well done to Whiteman. It's great to see him on winning ways. Did I think he looks as best as he has done in the past? No, I don't. Do I think he looks better than he has done in the last few matches? Yes, I do. I still feel he's fragile in the striking. I feel like he's lost his confidence in the striking. And I think that needs to be addressed. Far as I'm aware, he's training now with um, Wonderboy Thompson, isn't he? Yeah. I think um, so, yeah. so whether that will start making a, an influence in his game, but Wonderboy Thompson has a very unique style, and unique styles are very, very hard to emulate. Um, so whether that's going to suit him to put the striking fragile yeah. state that I feel that he's in, whether that he, he's the right guy to go to or not, I don't know. Um, time will tell with that. But hey, Weidman won. I'm really happy that he won. I think it was a, a very difficult opponent to beat. He'd done well. Let's, let's hope we see him come back on more winning ways and getting back to the old white man that we know and love. Yeah, I don't think it was the last we'll see of Ahmed off either. Uh, oh, no, he, this guy's dangerous. He can wrestle himself, we see that. Um, and I think he had better striking than the white man. Um, I think I think he could have got Weidman in trouble. Uh, um, as much as Ekmedov did well in that second round to, to put the wrestling on to Weidman I think that third round he should have come out trying to put the pressure for striking on Weidman I think he should have come out banging looking for the knees looking for the uppercuts footwork round make the engagement for the wrestling really hard for Weidman but he's confident in his own wrestling ability and because he had a success in that second round I think he was happy to be engaged uh, with the wrestling but he actually went against him in the end but I think Abigdoff could have perhaps turned this against Weidman had he thought to, to stay the striker in that third round yeah, 100%. I think um, with Weidman, I do wonder if it's psychological. Um, 
like the issues he's having with his striking. I just wonder whether it is a psychological act because he took that really bad uh, loss. I forget who it was against. And he took a bit yeah. of a pasting. And then he hasn't quite yeah. the same fight since. That's um, right. And I do wonder whether, because even, but then saying that in this, after that second round, I worried for him. And I thought, oh, is he psychologically going to have enough to come back in this third round and, you know, really to make sure he wins this fight? And then, you know, he did, he did. Um, but I, it's strange to say, like, I wonder whether his issues are psychological, but it yeah. equally, he, I thought he did very well from a psychological point of view in that third round also. So it's a bit of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he had to dig, dig deep. You saw it. You saw how tired he was getting. Um, he dug deep um, and he pulled through. Um, it's great to see he had the hunger and the hunger and the desire to to, to push through and get that win. Um, and maybe okay, you know, he's striking. Perhaps has lost a little bit of confidence, so he's gone back to some wrestling roots. That's exactly what you should do. You know, if you're not feeling comfortable in one area, the beauty of MMA is you can push it in another area. He did that and he got his successes with it. But he's still at some point going to have to address those uh, striking issues because there's wrestlers out there that won't go to the ground. And there's some strikers out there with some fantastic footwork that, that are really elusive. Um, and he won't be able to lock in on them time and time again. And he's going to have to rely on some striking confidence. Um, yeah. I, um, I, like you mentioned, I wonder if Weidman has lost this. I do wonder whether we'd have seen him in the UFC again. Both, so. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I still, yeah, I still think you. Know, he's on. He's clear. He's on the, the kind of, the downward slope, in terms yeah, of, yeah. you know, the peak of his career and whatnot. But that's not to say that he still can offer a lot. I think uh, mm. as a fighter and as a you know a UFC contender, um, yeah. I do doubt that we see him you know at the very top ever again. But you know. But it's funny old game, and you never know. It is. Um, it is. He could put forward a, you know, what do I know? He could put forward a, you know, put go through a three fight win streak, be in the title picture, or fill in for someone who's injured, and before you know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Champion of the world. That's um, right. Yeah, I mean, we did just think back just a few years ago, you know, when he beat Anderson Silva, you know, Anderson Silva was looking yeah. unbeatable, and he not only beat him once, he beat him twice. Um, yeah, yeah, he's not quite. The, the invincible Weidman as we started to think he was back then um, as he is now unfortunately but hey let's not write him off yet he's just you know got a fantastic win against a very very difficult opponent and um, maybe this will be what sets off his confidence to get the old Weidman back uh, next up then we had Derek Lewis which is uh, the main event Derek Lewis ranked number 4 versus Alexi Alonyek ranked number 10 uh, again this one didn't last long with the the Black Panther winning within 21 seconds of the second round. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, Derek Lewis is impressive to me, though. He's uh, improving his skill set every single time we see him. Come out with a huge head kick at the beginning. And I thought, OK, look, he's going to hunt for the knockout. But then then clinched up with Onik, which really surprised me because we know that uh, I'm going pr- his name right, Onik. Um, you know, we know his arm triangles. He can set him up from standing and set him up on the ground. This guy's got great catch wrestling style uh, presence about him um, and, and, and proper dangerous. But I was really surprised that Lewis got clinched up with him and, and 
ragged him to the ground and was playing some some half guard. Nearly got himself in trouble a couple of times. Now, Onyx showed some great half guard uh, positioning. He was getting the under pummel. He was coming deep under Derek. And Derek's a big old boy to come under. Um, but he was doing the right type of thing to try to avoid that body weight coming up in the, from the half guard the way he did. But Derek showed some great scrambling. Um, at a time when uh, Onyx was escaping the half guard uh, the first time, you see some great movement from Derek Lewis. Goes to show he really is putting some of his groundwork in and making improvements and managed to keep that top half guard position a little longer than I first thought he would when it, when it looked like it was slipping away from him. But Onyx, real slick character, um, and he managed to get on top of Derek Lewis and started going for the... Um, uh, like scaffold, uh, I, don't, I can't think of a specific term for it, but it's a scaffold. It looks devastating. I think the fact that Derek Luce is so barreled and so thick-bodied, I think, is what saved him. Because a couple of times I thought this submission might be on, but he weathered the storm, and um, Onyanix got to have burnt up some energy because he was pulling up on that head, head and arm, um, with full born, full, full vigor for for quite a long duration. But he's been showing really good cardio of late. And, um, you know, some of his fights that Onyx had, he's looked really clumsy with the striking and looked like to get exhausted. But he seems to really address his cardio issues and looked really quite convincing at times in this first round. Um, yeah. But Derek Lewis showed some 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 skill to escape, um, some, some abilities to stay in there when it looked really tight and it looked like that submission was going to go on. But no, he escaped time, time again. Um, and then as we went into the second round, like you say, it didn't go on for very long. Uh, Derek Lewis uh, connects, puts him on his ass, and oh, it, it was like watching Johnson and Mitrione with the, the ground a pound. The power, he just sensed it was an opportunity to win. Um, and the power of the shots was, was absolutely devastating and a really good st- stoppage as well as refs are getting so much attention, particularly Herb Dean. Um, really good stoppage as well. Yeah, when you think uh, uh, Onionic just beat recent, I think the fight beforehand he beat um, uh, the Brazilian dude. Uh, yeah, I can't look because um, oh, um, stuff to top of my head. Um, oh, I'm terrible with bringing up names off at the top of my head. Um, people will be aware uh, watching it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he had a fantastic win uh, against him. So he's looking really, really convincing. But Derek Lewis now, he's he's becoming ever more relevant. Um, who's oh, he going to yeah. put up against next? He's, he's got, got to be getting right up there. Yeah, round number four before this fight. Um, yeah. Uh, obviously, you've got Stipe and um, DC fighting next week. So you never know yeah, um, uh, who's going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. But, um, we'll, you know, I can't look at my rankings at the moment because I'm battery in my mouth. Run out. But um, Derek Lewis was, I thought, about as impressive as he could have been. Really yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it goes to show his confidence to be on the ground because, you know, he took a grappler down there. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, you've you got to try to imagine what Olenek was thinking going back to his corner. You know, he, he was pulling up on that head and arm. Um, then he had a real deep figure of four. And, and Derek Lewis was just... He was just sitting through all of it. <laughs> he wasn't necessarily doing the, the, the greatest movements to escape from these positions, but he was just in there. You, you, to put Derek Lewis away, you have to proper put him away. And Onnick went back to his corner. He was on his back, feet up against the fence. Um, you got to wonder what he was thinking to himself. What do I have to do to win? Um, but, of course, you know, uh, that, that second round was, was very, very brief. Um, I'm so excited for Derek Lewis. I really am. I really like the guy. 
he's a good character for the sport and you know he's, he's obviously in the classroom a lot and he's learning he's progressing he has a huge huge man and clearly a smart individual because he's progressing so so well in his development he really has been learning on the job so to speak um and he's right up there. That, that, that's that, that's him. He's getting up to, to contender status. I'd love to see yeah, that. I think, um, I just think he's one of the most improved guys yeah, you know, yeah. in all the divisions. He's really improved over the last couple of years. Like that. Um, yeah. I mean, he's just, just the athleticism as well, you know, with that jumping knee. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's you a, that's have a real light away. No, no way would have you. And you know, and, and this is a long knee. This isn't like a tie clinch knee, which okay, you know, it takes a certain set skill set to, to prep it up to be able to fire a knee up to someone's head in a clinch. This is like judging a, a long range jumping knee. That's not easy to do, and it led to the finish. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm so chuffed for him. I really am. Um, I, I want to see him to contend to status. I really do. Um, I, I think he's one fight away from doing so. Oh yeah, the heavyweight division is interesting at the moment because you've got obviously Stipe's fighting Cormier, um, then underneath him you've got Ingano and Blades, and then you've got Derek Lewis. Um, I believe Ingano is on a pretty decent streak, isn't he? After yeah, and uh, another one that's been impressive. And so you've got Ngano is facing Rose or Fabi beat Rosenstruck. Um, yeah. He beat Dos Santos, he beat Velasquez. So he's on a one, two, three, four, five, six, five, three streak. So he's yeah, since, since that's impressive as well. Ngano lost to Mielchuk, then he beat Derek Lewis. Uh, sorry, Derek Lewis beat Ngano. In 2018, since then, uh, Ngannou destroyed Kurt's Blades in 45 seconds, Kane Velasquez in 26 seconds, yeah. Santos in a minute, uh, and then Rosenstruck in 20 seconds. So I'd say Ngannou's probably got the next shot. Although, you could run Derek Lewis versus Ngannou rematch, but Derek Lewis yeah, you could have yeah, the initial could. victory. There's yeah, no yeah. reason whatsoever why you couldn't do that. I yeah, think. I think you can do that again because both of them uh, have uh, have totally changed the, their skill sets in the meantime. You know, they're both becoming much more well-rounded, and I think you could see a very different fight. Hundred percent, um, and I'd like to see that fight. I've got to be honest. Yeah, me too. I would like to see that go around. Entertaining. Yeah, yeah um, I think so. Okay, so just to finish off, we'll give our quick. Uh, Quick little previews of the UFC 252, uh, which is next week. Um, UFC 252 card. Uh, we will have a guest joy, a guest analysis joining us. Uh, not 100% sure who it will be yet, but it will be someone good. It'll be uh, someone who you all know. I can tell you that much. But uh, we'll see. See how it goes and we'll see who it is. Do some some conversations and some some stuff this week, and I'll see. But uh, I know you're excited by the potential guest that I told you. Yes, of course. Show. Yes. And uh, one thing I will say is, if I can get the person who I was speaking to today, which we're hoping to sort out, depending on his schedule, and 
he's not shy, it's for plenty to say. So uh, mm. cool. um okay, so we'll just do the main card next, which is quite the card. Um Jesus. I'm assuming some of those are they must be being fighted as the main card is what fights on. Um, okay, so the main event is Stipe versus DC. Who you've got for that, mate? Well, back along, I was I was saying Stipe. Um, uh, because I worry that Cormier is just getting a little too old for all this. But I am, uh, I, I've been listening to him talk, and I don't know, I think he's, he's had to, it amazes me how he motivates himself, motivates himself as much as he does. And I just think he's so motivated for this. I think maybe he's more motivated than Stipe. So I'm actually going to go Cormier. Um, but this is uh, about turning my, my previous thoughts. So I was always going Stipe um, yeah. for a long while. But like I say, Cormier, is, the way he talks about the fight, and yeah, he, 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 he wants to win this, you know. And yeah, I, th- I think that attitude is, is perhaps a stronger attitude than I'm sensing from Stipe. So I'm going to go Cormier. Um, I yeah, so I've always, I've been leaning on DC. I I just think DC, the romantic in me, wants to yeah. see him get the win. My heart, my heart is with Cormier. Uh, you know, I, yeah, just see him win and then well, something to be Yeah, yeah. Um, as much as I like, I. However, if him winning means that he's going to then be talked into fighting John Jones, uh. then I'd rather him lose to Stipe. Yeah, I, I don't want to see the John Jones fight again simply because, as much as I would enjoy the fight and the spectacle of it, I don't think Daniel Cormier will win. And I mm. think it'll break him to lose a third time to John Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't want to see that. Yeah, so, if, if Cormier was five years junior, I, I would be all for it up, up again. But he's just getting. Uh, you just got what you worry about the guy. You, I've said earlier, you know, I worry about people staying it too long. You know, he, he's already such a legend in the sport. You know, there would be no need for him to do that again. I think if he beats Stipe, you know, perhaps he should just therefore re- retire. But he talks with such passion. You've got to wonder whether he'll just stay in it. He seems to just love fighting. He loves it. I'm going to go with... Um, do I go with my head? Or do I go with my my heart? I'm going to go with Stipe. Go on. I'm going to go with Stipe. Well, so um, I think we both reversed our original opinions on this one. I think we both yeah, so I switched sides DC on it. Were not initially yeah. and, uh, you were you were not. Um okay. And then next up we have Sean O'Malley. Mm-hmm. Always a classic yeah. watch. Yeah. Versus Marlon Vera, who's not shy yet. Uh, yeah, I, I I, I just think Sean O'Malley's going to stay on beating. I think he's going to. I think he's going to do it. He's a great boy. He's a good. He's just entertainer. Just one of those guys, man. Didn't he? Just, the, yeah. Just, um, just an entertainer. And um, yeah. yeah, I can't see past Sean O'Malley as much as I. I do rate. Um, yeah, yeah. I think he's absolutely. He's a very, very good. talented guy. Like, but Sean O'Malley is on the up and up, and I just. Oh, absolutely see, is. Uh, I don't see Marlon Vera being the guy to beat him at the moment. You know, maybe there'll be a time where someone will beat uh, Sean O'Malley. Just not, not this week. 
Julio Dos Santos, rank number five, versus Jairzinho Rosenstruck, rank number six yeah. in the heavyweight division. Yeah, I'm going to go Rosenstruck. I think Julio Dos Santos is, is on the decline. Um, and Rosenstruck, just, he's just been convincing, you know? I, I just, my, my, my head and heart go for him. I, I think this guy is going to go far. Yeah, I do too. I, um, I, I've got to say, I thought, Dos uh, Santos and Cain Velasquez both looked absolutely finished in their fight yeah. versus Francis and Garland. So I'm going to go with uh, uh, there as well. Then we've got John Dobson versus Mirab Dishpari Billy. Dishpari yeah. I can't say his name. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to go John Dobson just because his name's easier to say. Oh, no, yeah. I, 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 no, I'm actually going to go John Dobson's on this one, um, which might surprise a lot of people. Um, I just think. I just think stylistically, he's gonna he's gonna enforce his way. I just think he's gonna be too awkward, too many tricks up his sleeve, and um, he's got good cardio, so it's not like cardio is gonna be an issue. It's about getting the the game plan right, uh, about just hitting the right type of combinations, and he's got real diverse combinations. He can strike well, he can wrestle very very well. I think he's gonna be just too slippery. Fair enough. I will go with Mirab. Uh, he's on the up and up. And he's been really, yeah, he really impressed me. Really, really mm-hmm. impressed me. So I'm going to go with yeah, him yeah. there. Uh, Magmed uh, Ankalov versus John Kudlaba. Yeah, we got to go Ankalov for this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jim Miller versus Vince Pichet. I'm going to go Jim Miller. Mm. I'll go with Jim Miller there as well. Um, it's a bit, I mean, he it just it keeps hanging in there. It does well. It amazes me. Yeah. Um, and that's it really for the, the main fights. Um, okay, guys. Uh, we've got loads of podcasts out this week. Did seven, seven shows in seven days from last Saturday through the next Saturday. So there's a variety of shows. We've got a cricket series with myself and Kieran joined by Adam Holyoke. Got the live football shows, we've got this show, we've got conspiracy theory show returning, uh, new unscripted incentive with Jordan Wuchinik, one of Danish uh, students and a rising star in the Cage Warriors ranks, getting ready for his fight as well in September, and uh, lots of other shows this week. So check out youtube.com slash podcast nation, check out uh, at Danny Button FS on Twitter and Instagram for the show's social media and of course the Ace Podcast Nation which is the hub for all things podcast related guests and the like. Keep an eye on that because you might uh, you never know what might pop up this week uh, in regards to next week and next week's show but uh, in the meantime Danny it's been a pleasure my friend. Yes yes thank you sir and thanks for everyone who's listening in and um, yeah another good UFC under our belt and the big one still to come. Yeah, and the most important thing, minimal editing for me this week because your Czech Republic internet worked on Zoom much better. And uh, just yeah, a yeah. Brief, brief interruption from one of my children, which I can take out. <laughs> Not a problem. Uh, cheers to everyone who's downloaded. Cheers to everyone who's watched. And I will see you next week for a new show with a all new guest. And it's going to be a good one. See you guys.
Podcast Network.